This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. So, it's my joy and privilege again to share the Word of God. I, it's, um, I know I've met most of us and have not met quite everybody. I'd like to, you know, get out of it because I know there are new people who have come in in the recent past, you know, would love to get to know and meet with you and, you know, just get to know you a little bit. So please, when we meet, uh, let's talk. My name is Wilson and I get the honor of sharing the word of God with us this morning. Uh, Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you. We thank you that we are so honored. Um, honored to be the ones who live in the kingdom of God today. We are honored that we can be right in your presence, the presence of the Father. And so I thank you that as we see it, we are not, Lord, far away from your blessings, but Lord, we are right here in the midst of your blessings. So I pray for my friends today that God, whatever it is with each one of our lives, Lord, that God, you will encounter. And the Lord will encounter with you today. Father, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for you're the joy of our lives. And I pray that you are the joy of our salvation this morning. And the joy of our salvation is our strength. And so I thank you for strength, um, for your blessing. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, I would like to, and I was trying to resist <laughs> starting this way because I, I, I don't want to be familiar with, you know, with God. You know that you start the same way, but I couldn't resist to share a story. <laughs> you know, I'm an African, so and telling stories is all we do. You know, we sit around the fire <laughs> and then tell stories, right? <laughs> So I'd like to tell a story to us as we start. This is a story of this old couple, this elderly couple that had a problem with a mouse in the house. The mouse would sneak into the kitchen and eat their food. So one day as this couple were discussing how they could set traps to capture the sneaky mouse, the sneaky mouse overheard the conversation. And the sneaky mouse went to the chicken and to the goat and to the cow and told them, Hey guys, I have something to tell you. This old couple, they are setting up traps in the house and we need to do something about these traps. The chicken, the goat, and the cow laughed and dismissed the mouse. They said, we have no business with anything inside the house. So those traps, they pose no danger to us. That night, as the old couple was sleeping, they were awakened by a loud noise in the kitchen. And the wife, thinking that the trap had finally snapped off and captured the mouse, came running in the dark into the kitchen. 
And as she entered the kitchen, she felt somebody bite her foot. And suddenly, her foot began to, began to swell and became numb. She cried out and called out her husband, who came running, running with a, with a flashlight. And on arriving at the kitchen area, the husband found that instead of the trap capturing the snake mouse, there was a big venomous snake that was trapped by the, by the trap and had beaten his wife. So he rushed, as every man would do, rushed the wife to the hospital. The doctor provided some treatment. And then the doctor advised, I would like you, to, when you go home, to feed your wife with some soap because she's very weak. The husband went back home, and guess what? Made some chicken soup. <laughs> Slaughtered the chicken and made some good soup and fed his wife. After a week, his wife was not improving. He went back to the hospital, told the doctor, what can I do? The doctor provided some more treatment on the, on the food and again told him, I would like you to continue feeding your wife with some soap because she's very weak and we need to hasten the healing process. Husband came back home and as you can imagine, this chicken soup had been finished and guess what? The next option was a goat. So he slaughtered the goat, made some goat soup, and fed his wife. After some time, there was no improvement on the wife's food. She came back to the doctor, doctor told the doctor, doctor said, provided some more treatment and said, you know, she's still very weak. I would like you to continue feeding her with some good soup. Came back home, the goat soup was finished. As you can imagine, who's the next? The cow. Made some cow soup, slaughtered the cow, made some soup, fed the wife. You know, this story is, is silly, right? And I like some of you are laughing because it's laughable. Um, but there's a lesson for all of us. The story is a negative example of the interconnectedness of our lives. You know, and the positive lesson is equally true and powerful. That our lives are connected for better or for worse. You know, as the body of Christ, as the body of believers, if we are going to, if we are going to succeed or to continue succeeding in the mission of the gospel, we have to start thinking less in terms of I, myself, and me, and start thinking more in terms of us as a community. We have to understand and define ourselves in terms of you and me. You see, this world shift is a mild shift because it's countercultural because we live in a highly individualistic society. But when you read the New Testament, the New Testament really addresses us, it, it really talks to us as isolated individuals. The New Testament always, almost always, talks to us as a community together. Talks to us as a community together. In the kingdom of God, there is no longer you and I. We are interconnected and bowed together. 
You know, Paul would use the image of the body. Members of one body. Not isolated. He would also use the metaphor of the building that we are living stones being built together. Not built in isolation. So your victory becomes my victory. Your loss and grief becomes my grief. And you know, we are still in the brave series and one Courage. Courage is one of those things that we think or we, that we need to think more in terms of being a community together rather than something that one solitary individual possesses. Courage is one of those things that we need to think more in terms of being a community together than an individual possession of one individual. Christ-like courage is a gift of the Holy Spirit. That we receive to share together. Not something that one individual possesses. The picture of courage in our culture is this one solitary individual who does heroic things all by himself or herself. The way our culture tells stories of, of courage and heroism is by elevating a singular individual who masters courage and does courageous things all by himself or herself. We idolize our heroes because they do courageous things. We see this in our movies, in our sports. It's all the time, we elevate a solitary individual as the courageous one. And we have a name for it, right? We call them the God, the greatest of all times. But Christ, like courage, doesn't stop with one individual. Christ-like courage is contagious. And Christ-like courageous people inspire courage in others. They create a ripple effect of courage in others. So one way that Christ-like courageous people inspire courage in others is through encouragement. Through encouragement. We develop Christ-like courage through the encouragement of others. Rather than mastering it all by ourselves, through self-effort in isolation from, an, from others. Christ-like courage develops in community together through the encouragement of others. So this courage is a gift of the Holy Spirit, the great encourager, and develops, as we are saying, in a ministry of encouragement in a community of believers, and many, many times in small groups rather than in larger gatherings. God will use the encouragement of others to inspire courage in you, and he will use your encouragement to inspire courage in others. So this morning I would like to talk to us about inspiring courage through creating a culture of encouragement. Inspiring courage through creating a culture of encouragement. I'd like to ask my, can you bring up the word on the screen, please? So, so the word encouragement, we know we can break it up, right? So it's encouragement, right? Next slide. So when we break up that word, 
So the root word for, for courage is actually Latin. It's core, and it means heart, right? And then the end is a prefix. The prefix says, means put into. So the whole word encourage means putting heart back into. Putting heart back into. Courage is a hard language. It's, it's, a, it's a hard word. So encouragement means putting heart back into lives. And let's tell the truth, you know. Life is hard, as we've been saying, right? We, get all, we all get worn out. We all get beaten up by life's circumstances. And we constantly come face to face with discouragement. We often find ourselves losing courage, losing heart. In such times, we need someone to encourage us. We need someone to help put heart back into our lives. And in the same way, every day we are surrounded by people who are discouraged. People who have lost, lost heart, people who have lost courage. Through that, those times, people need encouragement. People need someone to help put heart back into their lives. People need help to put heart back into our workplaces. People need help to put heart back into desperate situations. People need help to put heart back into the person that you meet in the grocery store. You can fill in the blank. But because of our busy schedules and timelines, goals and productivity, in the drive to succeed and to win and to achieve, encouraging one another is becoming a lost art in our society. But as believers, we must find time to encourage one another. We are still our brothers and our sisters keeper. So encouragement is so important when we read the scripture. We see the charge to encourage one another over and over again. You know, Paul repeatedly tells his charges when he writes the letters. Encourage one another. You don't have to open this. But first, Thessalonians 5, 10, 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other's up. First Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, this is Paul's last word to the church in Corinth. Brothers and sisters, encourage one another. Ephesians 6, verse 22. He says, Paul is writing a letter and he says, I'm sending you someone. His name is Tychicus. I'm sending him to you for the very purpose that he may encourage you. Colossians 4, 8 says, Paul again, I'm sending Timothy that he may encourage your hearts. First Thessalonians 2, uh, 3, 2, again Paul says to Timothy, to the church, we sent Timothy to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. You know, in, in the book of Romans chapter 12 and verse 8, very interesting. There is a great gift of encouragement. The word says, verse 8, if you, your gift is to encourage, then give encouragement. So it seems that there was a constant need in the church for people who could encourage others. Such that there were actually people who had a gift of encouragement. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't think of a time than today, than now, when we ever needed the gift of encouragement. 
And I believe that the Holy Spirit is working through us to bring this gift into the life of the church. There is need. There is a great need of encouragement towards living out the gospel and kingdom mission in our world today. We need the gift of encouragement for the sake of the people around us. You know, when the church is full of the gift of the Holy Spirit and filled with the gift of encouragement, it makes a great impact into the lives of the people in the world. So today we are going to focus on a, on a Bible character. We look at the life of someone who, in the early church, was known for his gift of encouragement. So much so that people knew him by his nickname, Barnabas. Did I say that? Barnabas. I said that. I said Barnabas in the, behind in the water. Who? Barnabas. 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 So, people knew him by his nickname, Barnabas. The son of encouragement. You know, interesting because... Everyone called him by his name because of how he made them feel encouraged. Can you imagine? They called this gentleman, one of us, by how he made them feel encouraged. And I believe that even when Paul is writing the letters about encourage one another, he learned a lot of that from Barnabas, as we shall see today. So who was Barnabas in the Bible? You know, Barnabas is actually is not the superstar of the New Testament, like Paul, Peter, and John. Barnabas actually is a, is a behind-the-scenes guy. But the impact that he made on the early church, only heaven will tell. So, very simply, Barnabas, his gift was encouragement. But, you know, encouraging others may look different things for different people. So, what are the ways that Barnabas encouraged others. What or where do we see Barnabas encouraging others? What can we learn from Barnabas to become the encouraging presence for others? What can we learn and how can we become this encouraging people to inspire courage in others today? So I'm going to give a few points from the life of Barnabas um, and we'll start from reading Acts uh, chapter 4 and verse 34 to verse 37. So Acts 4, 34 and 37. Just a short passage there. There you go. So there you go. So um, I'm going to read uh, 34. There were no needed people among them. He's talking about the early church. There were no needed persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as, he, as had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement, sold a piece or a field he owned, and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So the first point I want to make is encouraging people 
inspire courage in others through serving their practical needs. Encouraging people or people who give encouragement, they inspire courage through and by giving, serving the practical needs of others. So as we see here, wow. How we, the way we get introduced to this gentleman is that he sells his piece of land, gives 100% to the local church so that the money can be distributed among the needy people. You know, as a Jew, he was a Jew, he was a Levite. Barnabas was never supposed to sell his family inheritance. So he took courage. But he sold his land to build up and encourage the mission of the early church. You know, this was not communism, you know, where you are, you are forced to, to, to sell or to, to give what you have, you know, and give to, the, to others. No, actually, Barnabas gave out of his personal conviction to sacrificially help the welfare of others. He was not super rich. Actually, when we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6, Paul says that him and Barnabas, they had to work for their living. He wasn't a super, a super rich guy. But you know, he's a picture of Jesus in his sacrificial giving. Barnabas is one who looks to serve the needs of others. And through that, he encourages others. He's the one who looks to love and to spread love. Encouraging people looks to meet the practical, need of other, practical needs of others. Encouraging people are practical. You know, and I want to even just pause and acknowledge many of us, many of you, who over the years have poured out over the work of God in this community and over other communities. You've given, you're given in, in, in your time, your, your talents, your, your resources. Your giving has encouraged and inspired courage in others more than you'll ever know. Because we gave, when we give, we, we, we actually continue in the gospel mission. Whether you remember the, the parable of Jesus telling about people who came in the morning and others who came in the evening. Wherever you are in the seasons of God, wherever you are in the, in, in, in the work of God, wherever you joined in the work of God, you know, that's encouraged. I, get, I feel encouraged. That 18 plus years, I believe, a group of, a few, a few people left. I don't know whether it's Alabama or whatever. Pastor Dylan came from, you know, they came, sorry. They came, I think it's Alabama, sorry. I should remember the story. They came and started, you know, some, the work of God here. And over the 18 years, you know, people have come and have, have poured out over the work of God. They have brought encouragement and inspired courage in others. You know, others have joined, you know, recently, and still we are encouraged together. I just wanted to make that first point. But my, my second point is that encouraging people inspire courage in others in the presence of fear. Encouraging people inspire courage in others in the presence of fear. And we will read again Acts chapter 9, verse 26, verse 28. Acts 9, 26, 20, 28. Thank you. There you go. Um, when he came to Jerusalem, he's talking about Paul. When Paul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. 
Not believing that, he was really a true disciple. But Barnabas, oh my gosh, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey, he had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And how in Damascus, he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So the story is, Saul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. So he's in Damascus. He's blind, and then there's a gentleman called Ananias. Paul actually gets his sight back, and he starts to preach in Damascus. He's getting, he's gathering followers. And then the Jews in Damascus attempted to kill him. So Paul actually is, is, is saved by the, by the followers. It's a very interesting story how they, they had this basket. They, 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 they helped him through the window, and he escaped. So he escapes, he comes, he comes to Jerusalem. He's running away from being slaughtered by the Jews. But the church in Jerusalem was afraid of Saul because of his background in the persecution of the Christians. Remember, this time Paul is still Saul. Actually, Luke, who writes the book of Acts, only introduces Paul as Paul, his new name, later in chapter 13. Right now, we still talk about Saul. So Saul, the church, every time the church heard about Saul, there was a sudden reaction. You know, people would be triggered. And the trigger was, they were afraid. That's what the Bible says. They were afraid. But Barnabas made a choice to listen, not to fear, but to the story of Saul's encounter with Jesus. Make no mistake, Barnabas was actually, had friends and had family in, in Jerusalem. I can, I can imagine some of his friends and some of his family friends, family members, had been slaughtered through the persecution of Saul. So this was a courageous move for Barnabas to reach out to Saul. The church leaders, including Peter and John, they chose to listen to the stories of fear. The fear of persecution. But Barnabas championed Saul in Jerusalem. He spoke on his behalf. He actually went and sat with Saul, presented the story again, and came and spoke on his behalf. He vouched, he vouched for Saul to the Jerusalem church. Saul needed that. Barnabas used his influence so that he could stop the dialogue of fear. He encouraged brotherly love for Saul. You know, today there's a lot of talk about fear, or there is a lot of talk of fear, doom and, and gloom. Now, it doesn't take a lot of gift to speak fear. You know, it's all in the news, right? There is even a narrative, or like those who are talking about the persecution of the church, the American church. But you know, the early church was in a true time of persecution. It was a true time of persecution. But we see that Barnabas chose to spread courage, not fear. 
when everyone huddled together in fear, he chose to spread courage and not fear. You know, in the, and I think that's what's rare today, is choosing, choosing to speak what God is doing prophetically in the lives of others. That's courageous. That's courageous to choose to speak prophetically what God is doing, like Barnabas did. He landed behind what God was doing in Saul and inspired courage in the Jerusalem church. So courageous people inspire courage in others in the presence of fear. My question to you is what are you spreading? Are you spreading courage or are you spreading fear? What stories are you listening to? What are you giving your ears to? Stories of courage or stories of fear? I want to make my third point. And it is encouraging people inspire courage by seeing and believing the best in others. We're going to turn to uh, Acts 11, verse 22 to verse 24. Acts 11, 22 to verse 24. I'm going to round up quickly here. 11. Verses 22, verse 24. I'm reading again. This was, um, says 22. 11 to 22 says, News about, or news of, news of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man full of the spirit and faith and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So the Jerusalem church hears that there is a growing Gentile church in Antioch. Who do they send? They send their best. No, no. It's not Peter or John. They send Barnabas. And that's his winning resume. A good man, full of the, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. He doesn't say he was a, a gifted teacher or a charismatic leader. He says he was a good man. Now, I don't believe, I don't think there is a greater, a greater accomplishment than that. He was a good man. You see, goodness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. I have met people who are full of the Spirit or they seem to be full of the Spirit and faith, but they're not good people. Now, to, to be able to combine a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Paul was Barnabas' secret. He was full of the Holy Spirit. You know how do we remain full of the Holy Spirit? It's through daily dependence or it's through moment by moment dependence on the Father. We all run dry. So we need to go for the daily manner of God's presence. The, Father, the Father's presence. Every time we see Barnabas, we turn, we see him encouraging others because he was continually dependent on the father and he was abounding in the father's goodness there are many things there are many things that want to steal the goodness of the father in us so we need to continually go to the altar of a good father and get the fire of his goodness get the fire of his goodness see the character of Barnabas is exactly what the church in Antioch needed 
the church in Antioch was Gentile. They had problems, imperfections, and immaturities. But Barnabas comes, he doesn't see problems. The Bible says that he saw the grace of God. This was a positive guy. Very positive. He was glad and encouraged them. His character of goodness. His faith in God's work in others to bring completion. Faith in God's work in others to bring completion. And his openness to the spirit even brought a multiplication. Verse 24 says that the church multiplied. He was glad. He was a positive man. You know, remember he was a Levite. And these are Gentiles. He didn't come as the one who was the gatekeeper of the law. He didn't pretend to be the gatekeeper of the law. He was out of his comfort zone. But what did Barnabas do? He chose to bring heart back into the lives of the Gentile Christians. Of course, we're talking about encouragement. And sometimes when we talk these things, this, you know, we can actually miss. Encouraging a person is not, a, is not permission for you to, to teach your latest revelation. You know, so please, we need to keep boundaries, right? And encouraging one another is not, you know, not telling someone, you know, hey, brother, you're looking good, or sister, you're looking good, right? Encouraging one another is actually sparring one another to be the best passion for God. Encouraging a person is discipling them, like Barnabas did. He didn't just give a few words of encouragement, but he stood beside these gentle Christians in their discipleship process. We know that because in chapter 15, Barnabas is the one who is sent to Jerusalem in the Jerusalem council again to stand on behalf of the Gentiles in Antioch. He was willing to meet people where they were and call them up higher by believing the work of God's grace in their lives. Encouraging people to see and believe the best in others. They see It sees others through the lens of Christ. Through the lens of Christ. Through the lens of Christ. Are you willing meet people where they are and to call them high to the purposes of God who are you discipling who are you discipling and I know we are running out of time here and I would like to make my my final point and I'm not going to follow my script the, the final point is Barnabas so my final point is Barnabas is the one who leaves no one behind. He goes to look for the one. So when you read again, I think in chapter 12, or uh, I believe it's chapter 12, you read, um, Barnabas is sent to Antioch, and then in Antioch, there's a lot of work to be done. What, did, what does he do? The Bible says that he goes for Paul. Paul is in Tarsus. This is like 10 years ago. Between the last time we see Saul or Paul sent out from Jerusalem to this time 10 years ago. It was a courageous move. He, look, he, go, he goes looking for Paul. The Bible says actually he sought. He went door to door. And he brought Saul. And we know what they did. He says that they stayed in Antioch for one year teaching the church. This is the time Paul builds the foundation of his teaching and pastoral ministry. And he also builds his, 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 his material to write letters to the churches. Without Barnabas, there is no Paul. You know, we know that Paul wrote a third of the New Testament. If Barnabas didn't go for Saul, 
and get him out of obscurity and launch him to be the greatest preacher of the gospel won't have much of the New Testament. He does the same for Mark. Down there he says, remember they had in, in, in chapter, in the first missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas, they are left by Mark, but again, Mark. Mark is, 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 is brought back by Barnabas. I know it's time to, for those who have children in the back, please, um, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing up. You, you feel free to go and get the children, please. But I'm laughing up. And I'm saying that encouraging people, go for the one. They leave no one behind. Barnabas goes for Saul. And he goes for Mark. Without Barnabas, they wouldn't have been Mark. He would have been lost in the history. But we know that Mark actually wrote the first gospel. You know the gospel of Mark. And the gospel of Matthew and the gospel of Luke used a lot from the gospel of Mark. So we're talking about the impact that Barnabas had. He had great impact on gentle Christianity, on the spread of gentle Christianity. You and me are a result of the work of encouragement through this one man. Through this one man. I would like to ask us to, to rise up on our feet. Where there has been criticism, 
but it has been a spirit of judgment, a spirit of not wanting to be used by the Lord to be your brother's keeper, to be your sister's keeper. Would like the Lord to tenderize your heart, to tenderize your heart, and to open your heart to see who is the Lord wanting you to use, wanting to use you to encourage. Who and how is the Lord asking you to encourage them? There is no not one way of giving encouragement. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit inspire you. And this is my prayer. The gift of encouragement is restored into the life of the church today to carry the work of the gospel, to complete the mission of the gospel, to complete the mission of the gospel. Dear Lord, we say yes to you today. We say yes to you, Lord. We say yes to you, Lord. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.